Well, good morning. Good to be with you. I am Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, you may not know this, but the lovely woman that was up here before that, uh, before me was my wife. She definitely is my better half. And uh, thank you, Kristen, for sharing all that with us. If you're new around here, you may not know that we actually do belong to this thing called a denomination. Now, sometimes you hear that word and you're like, a what? Or you might hear that and go, ugh. But I promise you, uh, we belong to something that is not a negative thing, but is actually a very positive thing. We belong to a denomination of churches called the Evangelical Covenant Church. It's a nationwide uh, denomination with over a th- almost a thousand churches now throughout the nation. I personally grew up in this denomination in the Midwest, in the Twin Cities. From uh, the moment I was born, I was in the Evangelical Covenant Church, or one of its churches. And uh, there have been two times in my life when I've tried to, I don't know if the escape is the right word, but, um, but I just left it, and somehow it just kept drawing me back in. And I think there's good reason for that. It is a beautiful a network of churches who really are working together to see God's kingdom come into fruition on this earth. But what's interesting about our denomination is how it was formed. Um, Officially, it was formed in 1885 in America, and it was composed mostly of Swedish immigrants, okay? So uh, not the most common... Did somebody just clap? I don't know. Somebody really loves the Swedish immigrants in America. All right. Yeah. So, uh, and, and they were actually escaping the state church of Sweden in the mid 1800s. Uh, decades prior, the church and the state came together in Sweden, became the state church of Sweden, which historically has never been a good thing. By the way, we have this thing in America called the separation of church and state. Maybe you've heard of it. That's actually not for the state. It's more for the church, just so you know, because history would tell us that the state and the church coming together is never a good thing when you bring bureaucracy and faith together. And so uh, because of this, the state church of Sweden abused their power over those who were members of society in Sweden, especially around the issues of faith. And so when people began migrating to America, uh, many from Sweden decided now's our chance to get out of here. Now, in its earliest form, the ECC, I'm going to call it the ECC because Evangelical Covenant Church gets really long to say. Can we just agree to that? ECC was committed to three primary things. The relationship with God through Jesus Christ, a commitment to belonging to community, and the centrality of God's word, the Bible. Now, for years, they had been subject, these Swedish immigrants, to the state church of Sweden, telling them that only the priest could be the one to read, study, interpret, and search the scriptures. But they didn't want anything to do with that. They believed that God's word was a gift to all of God's people, not just one person to tell us what it means or what it says, or to even just simply read it. So committed were they to their understanding of the Bible that they would instead gather together in secrecy in small groups in Sweden so that they could study and discuss the scriptures. Many of the history books around this tell us that these would be overnight sessions. They would start at dinner and they wouldn't finish until they had to go to work the next morning. How many of you have ever been part of a Bible study like that? Right? So when they immigrated to America, they took ownership of this that a relationship with God through Jesus Christ 
belonging in community together, and the centrality of the word of God would be at the very core of who they were. And we now are the beneficiaries of that. We now, hundreds of years later, are still committed to those things. Now, it was interesting, during those meetings when they would gather together, especially after they got to America, there was often this, there, there would be discussion about things. They would come to a difficult passage, they would come to a passage that they didn't quite understand, and people would just start throwing out their opinions, right? Much like we would, right? They would be like, here's what I think that means, or I have some questions about that, or I heard this thing and I was thinking about it, and they would say something. And it was customary in a moment like that, if somebody shared their opinion or shared a statement or asked a question, the thing that they would say, the thing that they would ask right out of the gate is they would ask this question, where is it written? If I were to share an opinion with someone in that group, they would say, okay, that's great. Where is it written? What does God say about it? The early members of our denomination weren't interested in someone's opinion, okay? Opinions are great, but they weren't interested in that. They were interested in what God had to say about the matter. They were interested in truth as it's found in the scriptures. The Bible was their source of faith and living. They truly believed and held onto and leaned into the words of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Nobody likes that part of it right? But we need it. We need it. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right, and God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. They believed this is at the core of our faith. If we're not searching the scriptures for what all these opinions and ideas and cultural uh, milieu that's going on in the world, then how will we ever know what our foundation is built upon? And so they would get together and they would share and they would ask the question, okay, that's interesting. Where's that written? Let's look. Is that, is that in the scriptures? Because if it's not in the scriptures, then we need to, you know, disregard that. We need to get to the bottom of what God says. The early members of our denomination were, where is it written people? Isn't that cool? This church is built upon generations of people before us who were where is it written people. And guess what? We're not about to change. We don't want to change that. They were only interested in what God had to say on the matters of faith and life. But here's the thing. They weren't the first of its kind. This wasn't a new thing that they came up with. In fact, this morning, we're going to look at a story in the Bible that describes a group of people much like us and our Evangelical Covenant Church ancestors. So if you haven't done so yet, grab your phone, open up the YouVersion app, or uh, you can go, it's not up, no version today? Well, I apologize. Thank you, Jane. Uh, don't open your phone. It's not there, okay? So if you want to follow along, though, we will be in Acts chapter 17, okay? So Acts chapter 17, you can go there in version as well. As you do, just a quick recap of what's been happening lately. Now, last we left off, Paul and Silas were at it again in a city called Thessalonica. Their reputation, as you might remember from last week, had grown to the point where people they had yet to meet were talking about them. And they were saying to each other, this Paul guy and his companions, they are like turning the world upside down wherever they go. 
right? Like that's the reputation that they have. So when they show up in Thessalonica, those who are there, the Jewish leaders especially, they know the reputation of Paul and Silas. And they go about the same sort of rhythm that they go through. They tell people about Jesus and some people believe and some people don't. And they, you know, it's sort of this broken record of things. And they, you know, they, they, they find out that these people, they don't really like them. And so they chase Paul out of town again. And the Jewish leaders are thrown into chaos because of the presence in their city. And so they decide, Paul and Silas and Timothy, to move on, which is where we're going to pick up the story today. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. Are you ready? Okay, that was very meek. I, I'm worried for us this morning, but all right, here we go. Are you ready this morning? This is God's living word. All right, let's go, people. Here we go. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth, and as a result, many of the Jewish, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek men and women. So Berea is just east of Thessalonica in what is now modern-day Greece, it wasn't known for much. Like, we don't know a whole lot about it from, you know, the first century, but it was one of the nearest towns to Thessalonica. It was one that you could reach easily in maybe a half day walk or journey to it. And as was customary for Paul, we remember this, his strategy as he would go into a new city was he would go straight to the synagogue, right? He would, he would gather with Jewish believers because he knew, look, if you want to understand Jesus, you also have to understand the Old Testament. And they understood the Old Testament, not to mention the fact that in the Old Testament, it prophesies over and over and over again about Jesus. It says things about Jesus, that this person's going to come, that he's going to be the savior of the world, that this is what it's going to be like. This, these are the things he's going to say. These are the things that he's going to do, right? And so it was a perfect setup for Paul to walk in, who was a very educated Jewish man himself, to talk about Jesus as the Messiah, that people would understand. And in most cities, you'd have the same thing happen. Some of them would be like, wow, this is the most amazing news I've ever heard. I want to be a part of this new community. And then others would be like, they're a bunch of heretics. Let's kill them, okay? It's just sort of this broken record they went on. But there's something that Luke indicates in this passage that he doesn't in any other place. You see, Luke mentions something about this group, the Bereans, that we don't hear or see in any of other travels of Paul. Luke tells us that not only did the Bereans eagerly listen to what Paul had to teach, but it says that they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. These were committed people. They weren't messing around. Clearly, when they got together, they decided we're not going to be slouches about this. Because if someone gets up there and says something about God and interprets the scriptures in some way, we want to make sure that they're being faithful to what God has actually written. There was this culture in their community that demanded everything be backed up by Scripture. Now, they're dealing with only the Old Testament, right? We're, we're beneficiaries now. We have the New Testament. But regardless, they would hear someone speak or say something, and they go, all right, where is it written? Where, where is it written? Luke even describes them as open-minded to Paul's teaching, which, by the way, happens when you are in and devouring God's word. Do you know that as you get to know God's word more, you actually become more open-minded? I'm going to say something. Some of you are not going to like it. Is it okay if I share it? 
in my opinion, the most closed-minded Christians are people who don't know their Bibles. Because if you know the scriptures, there's very little to be afraid of. There's very little to fear. And you can listen to people talk and know that I have a source for my life that I can refer back to and go, I wonder if that's true or not. I'm not as afraid of it. I can listen to, in fact, maybe I'll learn something today that God confirms in his word. Okay, I digress. I'm going to go back. Here we go. You know, it's not because they're naive that the Bereans are open-minded. It's because they've learned the art and the discipline of asking the question, where is it written? Where's it written? They were willing to listen to anyone, but would never allow the wool to be pulled over their eyes. Now, fortunately, because Paul was a where-is-it-written person himself, the Bereans see it for truth and place their faith in Jesus. But, as always, they're not the only ones in the room. Verse, uh, verse 13. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. You see what's happening here? He just can't escape these people. Like, they just keep chasing after him. The believers acted at once, sending Paul onto the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens, and then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. To this day, the Bereans are beloved among Christians. It's interesting, they're really only, they're only talked about in five verses of the entire scriptures. There are churches named after them. I grew up, there's a church near us called Berean Bible Church. And for years, I was like, who's this guy Berean? I don't understand. And then I read Acts 17, I was like, oh, it's not a guy, it's this, it's these people, right? That was like last year, so <laughs> I was just kidding. But <laughs> right. They're only mentioned in this little, and yet they've become this role model for how every Christian should really approach the Bible. Long before our ancestors of the ECC came about, and even longer before Genesis Church was a thing, the Bereans exampled what it looks like to hold tightly to a value of being people of God's word. I mean, I can't imagine what Paul's reaction must have been when he saw these people searching the scriptures as he talked. That would light a pastor up, right? I mean, he must have just been like, this is awesome. These people love God's word just as much as I do. Now, as your pastor, I'll tell you that my greatest desire for you and for us is for us to lean in a little more this morning. Right? The value of what you are hearing this morning, I am telling you, is unmatched. Becoming a person who decides to let the Bible become the source of your faith and life will change the trajectory of who you are and how you live in a way that nothing else can. I say that to you not because, oh, you're the pastor, you should always say that. I say that to you because it's true of my life. Nothing has been more valuable to my faith outside of this gathering on Sunday mornings than the time I spend reading the scriptures every day. And not because I'm writing a sermon. I do that, but I don't, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about intimate time with God. 
every day. So this morning, here's what I hope for us. Here's what I hope for you. It's my great hope that we are, where is it written, people. That we would be a community of people who are committed to becoming, where is it written, people. That when we watch the video on YouTube, or we scroll across the thing the weirdo says on Facebook, that we wouldn't just go, oh, that's gotta be true. But we would ask the question, where's it written, what does God actually say about that? You know, I, I'm often in awe of how many times I'll hear another Christian say something and, and wonder, do they realize that that is an absolute contradiction to what the Bible says? Or how often so many of us, myself included, I'll be minute, I'll admit it, are susceptible to believing things that seem good, but actually aren't biblical at all. Let me just give you an example, just so we're on the same page. One of the most overused pieces of advice in our culture is, just follow your heart. Now listen, now listen, for the most part, I understand what people are saying, right? We want to be people of passion and direction and love. I get that. And it, it does sound good, but if we are, where is it written, people, we would follow our pinky toe long before we would follow our hearts. Because you know what the Bible says about our hearts? You're not going to like it. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? In other words, the Bible doesn't encourage us to follow our hearts. It encourages us to follow what? To follow who? Jesus, whatever you do, don't follow your heart, follow Jesus, okay? Do you see what we're getting at here? If we're where is it written people and someone says something, we're like, well, that sounds really good, but what does God say about it? See how easy it is to be deceived when we aren't building our foundation of faith on the scriptures? The Bible is the source of life and faith for us. And so if we're going to become where is it written people, then we'll need to make the Bible a massive priority in our lives. We can't just expect that when we show up on a Sunday and we hear a few words from the pastor, that that's, that's enough, I'm good. Because you're going to go and watch YouTube and Instagram and Facebook for hours between now and next week. You know you are. <laughs> TikTok. And what will your foundation be built upon? It should be as it was for the Bereans. We need to take seriously the words of 2 Timothy 3 and trust that it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. We need it. So, so let me just, today, I want to suggest a few things, and we're going to get really practical. But some of you might be wondering, like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, you know, I have this big book, or I open up version. I'm just... I'm not sure what to do, and, and I can, we can provide you with resources with that. But today, I want you to consider three things to start to implement into your life to become a where-is-it-written person, all right? And to do that, the first thing we need to do is we need to decide we are going to read for consistency. Daily reading is key to becoming where-is-it-written people. I know it sounds like, oh, so just read my Bible every day and then whatever, I know. Yes, <laughs> exactly. 
If you've never read your Bible on a regular basis, here's my suggestion. Take five minutes every day. Five minutes. Look, tell me the truth. If you read your Bible five minutes every day for the rest of your life, do you think your life would change? 100%, right? 100%. So you might be saying, five minutes? Yeah, if, you know, it's a bit of a muscle. It's kind of like working out. Like if you go to the Vasa gym across the street and you want to get in shape, you don't go to the back squat rack and put 280 pounds on it and go, I'm doing four sets of nine. No, you don't, <laughs> right? You start with the bar and you do three and that's it. This is what we're talking about. Consistency. Just read it. Read the scripture. And it doesn't mean that you need to start at 3 a.m. and read for three hours. I usually spend 20 to 30 minutes every day reading the Bible. I do it at least five days a week, usually more. I actually follow something called the five-day reading plan, which I've fallen in love with. If you just go to Google and you search five-day reading plan, you'll find it. When I read the scriptures uh, in my time with God in the morning, it's all analog. I don't have any digital stuff. I just get really distracted by that. So I got my paper Bible. I got my paper checklist so I know what I'm reading that day. Uh, I, like to check the bo- I like to check boxes. Maybe you're that kind of person too. And I've been reading this way for the last two years. And it has changed my life. 20 to 30 minutes, right? That's like, a, that's like an episode on Netflix. And I can honestly tell you from my experience that consistently reading the Bible daily has changed me. It has grounded me and given me a foundation of God's love and truth unlike anything else. It doesn't take much. It really doesn't. Now look, like I said, if you want help with this, we are here to help, but you gotta ask. You gotta ask. We'll point you in the right direction. Text us, email us, call us, pigeon message us. I don't know. Whatever it takes, we will get you connected to this, okay? The YouVersion Bible app we talk about all the time is an incredible source for this as well. It's totally free. You can go in there. You can find plans. If you're more digital and you want to do that, even if you want to read in your real scriptures and you want to go through that, it's it's a great app. It's a great resource. Please take advantage of it, okay? Read for consistency, Just get in the habit of God's word being in front of you every single day. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Secondly, if we want to be where is it written people, we need to search for clarity. Luke tells us the Bereans searched the scriptures to weigh what Paul was saying against God's word. Paul would write later to the the community, the church in Thessalonica, those Jewish believers who chased him out of town. He would write later from prison and he would say, test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Test it. Search the scriptures. Don't believe everything you said, right? You, You know, like your mom and dad used to tell you, don't believe everything you hear. They were right, right? They were right. You're going to hear and see an incredible amount of thoughts and opinions throughout the day. And some are good and many are not. So we need to be people who listen to the words of our parents and not believe everything that we hear. You know, I'll be honest, I, I am shocked at times at some of the stuff Christians believe and claim as truth. Shocked. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, and I'm not okay 
I'm not trying to be like overly critical here, okay? But here's the thing. Gosh, we got to get our heads on straight about some of this stuff. I have been sent some of the craziest stuff from people in this church, okay? And I love you so much, but I need you to hear today. Stop sending me that crap because you're not, listen, you're not going to want to hear my response, which is read your dang Bible. Ask the question, where is this written? Because sometimes it might be good. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of stuff out there that's really good and, and we should ascribe to. But man, there is so much garbage out there Christian garbage. We got to stay clear of it. Be like the Bereans. Search the scriptures. Please, 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 if you see something that's compelling, search and test it before you just lean right into it. Please. It might be good. It might not. Because it could be evil as well. So we got to be careful. Ask the question, where is it written? And then lastly, Study for comprehension. Look, how many times have you been in a situation like, man, I feel like the Bible says something about that somewhere, Timothy, Micah, I'm not sure where it is, right? And you're like, I don't know, right? Like, the, honestly, that's just a, at times, and we all have that. I have that. I've quoted the wrong scriptures from the pulpit. Not here, of course, somewhere else. Uh, because I just, at times I lack the comprehension I need to better understand the scriptures. I mean, we're, we're human. We don't know everything. But if you really want to know and take the, allow the scriptures to take root in your life, you're going to need to do a little more than just read and search them. You are. You're going to need to study them. Studying the Bible will help God's word not just be something you know, but something that's in you. So when questions come your way, you're thinking about what to do next, you're already equipped with God's word. This does not mean you need to go to Bible school, you need to go to seminary. It simply means taking a time to get in a rhythm of studying the Bible. Now, this certainly can be done on your own. You can, but nothing is as helpful or as effective as studying it with others. You know, the, our ECC ancestors, even the Bereans, they got together and they studied the Bible. They went, what does God want to say to us? What do we need to know from this? How do we need to comprehend this so that when we leave and we go into our workplaces and our worlds, we are equipped as followers of Jesus to love and extend grace to the world in the manner in which God would have us do it. So they got together and we do the same here, right? We just talked about it. Groups. We're launching these groups and these groups get together and they study the scriptures, they look at what, what is God saying? Sometimes some groups uh, will actually revert back to the message that we're talking about this week and they'll ask further questions. They'll look at the scriptures. What does this mean for my life? How do I live this out? How does this apply in my workplace and in my family? And all of those important questions. And if you're not in a group, I'm telling you right now, you're probably not studying the Bible. You just probably aren't. Because not only do you learn how to do it in that community, but it actually prompts you to do it further. I highly encourage you to take that next step in the next couple of weeks. And we'll help you with that. You have nothing to fear. We'll help you with that. You know, one of my hopes for this church is that we would truly become, where is it written people? You know, part of our mission priority to follow Jesus is that we know what it means to follow Jesus. 
And if you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, look no further than the Bible that he's given to us. It's my hope that we would spend time reading and searching and studying the scriptures for the sole purpose of allowing the Holy Spirit to teach and correct and guide our lives. The only question for you this morning is, will you take that challenge? You know what my greatest hope is? Is that I'm going to walk through the halls of our church or on a Sunday morning in the lobby. I'm just going to overhear somebody say, huh, that's interesting. Where is it written? I hope that I hear that someday. I'll be like, praise Jesus, right? That's interesting. Where, I wonder where that's written. What does God have to say about that? So will you, with me, join me in the opportunity to become where is it written people? Will you join me in that? Will you seek your scriptures? Will you make it a foundation in your life? I promise you this. Tell, look, you do that. We'll just make it easy. You do that for the next three months and just watch what God does. Five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. Watch what God does in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your living word. Lord, when we open up the, the scriptures, these are not just words on a page. These are messages from you to us that change and transform our minds and our hearts in a way that nothing else could do. And so this morning, we commit ourselves like the Bereans and like our ancestors before us to be where is it written people, God, that we would read consistently, that we would search for clarity, that we would study, that we might comprehend more deeply who you want us to be. God, that the Bible would be the source of our life. We want to follow you and you have given us all that we need to begin that process. And I pray, God, that we would lean into that challenge this morning. That we would hear the word of God, not to confirm things we already do believe, but to challenge the things that we already believe. To give us clarity on the things that we have questions about. There's nothing wrong with questions. We should bring our questions to you. But God, that the scriptures would be the place that we go to first to get those answers. So by your Holy Spirit, may you just put a new, fresh ambition in us to know your word. God, that we would be a community of people here, a loving, known community who would build our lives, build our lives upon your word. God, that we would understand that the beautiful, miraculous sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus gives us the opportunity to be intimately close with our creator through your word, God. Thank you for the gift that you've given to us. Thank you for, for recording it for us, for compiling it for us, for allowing us to hear it day in and day out, week after week. We turn our attention most of all to the living word of God, the one who came and lived and roamed among us, God, that showed us the way that through his life and his death and his resurrection, we now have hope and new life. And it's in his name we pray all these things. Amen.